888-835-2414. This is Blogging with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. In today's interview on episode 342, I'm on the line with none other than Matt Van Erdert, the founder of the home and garden website Pampered Chicken Mama, which reaches approximately 20 million readers every month. And author of two best-selling Amazon books, Organic by Choice, The Secret Rebel's Guide to Backyard Gardening, and Chickens, Naturally Raising a Sustainable Flock. Matt has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and featured in and interviewed by Glamour Prevention, Reader's Digest, and Women's Health. She lives on a small organic farm in the southeast, southeast Missouri with her husband and two special needs children. So I brought her on here to talk about how to grow a blog to 20 million readers because, well, who doesn't want more readers? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited. I'm super excited because I have a friend, uh, a good friend, Colin, that told me about what you blog about. And I was so fascinated. I was like, I got to get her on the show. So can you tell us um, in your own words what your blog is all about? Yes. Um, first of all, big shout out to Colin, who I think is awesome. Um, I'm glad we had that mutual friend. I agree. <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, uh, he might be listening to the podcast, so let's not say too much good stuff about him. He'll get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a mom of two children. We live in Southeast Missouri and I'm married, obviously. Um, but my blog is about backyard chickens, which is probably one of the nichiest niche <laughs> blog out there that could possibly ever exist. Um, I started my blog a few years ago. Um, I think 2015 is when I started my blog. And I started it basically because we moved to this farm in Southeast Missouri and there was not, there were no jobs, nothing to do. So I decided to just start sharing what I know and um, about our lives and things like that on the blog. And at the time, I didn't realize that it could be a real job that produced income. Um, I just sort of did it because it was, why not, you know, why not share our lives? Um, but as I started learning more and more about blogging, I realized that it actually was and is a very viable income source for people. Um, and a question I, I get a lot is, well, why backyard chickens? And the answer I like to give people is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, well, why backyard chickens? You know, it's such a weird topic. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's kind of weird, but um, I like animals. And so it just seemed to like be just a really good fit. Um, you know, we also talk about, you know, like herbs and natural living and that kind of thing. Um, and now we're starting to branch out and also talking about children and raising um, chickens with children and stuff like that. So... It was just a very sort of interesting uh, 
know, way I got into blogging, you know. So, so you said, but you said you decided to share about your lives, um, and and then you you started this blog about backyard chip chicken. So I'm assuming then what were chicken backyard chickens a big part of your lives, and I mean, I mean in terms of a big part of what you did on a day to day basis. Yeah. So the thing about blogs, um, which you probably you know, people listening to us probably know that this is that. Um, your blog has to be informational and it has to be something that people want to read. Mm -hmm. And and by wanting to read, you know, it can't just be about you. It has to be information. So the chickens were definitely a big part of our lives. Like we have, I don't even know how many chickens we have at this point, um, <laughs> but they are a big part of our lives and they are family pets. Gotcha. So it was sort of just a natural way to sort of talk about ourselves without really talking about ourselves and also um, you share it into a community that um, would be interested in reading what we were what we were writing about. Okay. Okay. So you 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 moved to Southeast Missouri. You're on a farm. You decided, hey, I'm going to start a blog to share a little bit of. But who are you thinking that you're sharing this with? You just wanted to share it with the world for what reason? Can what was the mindset behind that? Because you, it sounds like at the time you didn't know that it could be a business. You just wanted to share about your life. So what's the mindset behind there? Um, you know, we had moved here and we didn't, well, my husband knew people. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends and gotcha. there weren't any jobs. So it actually just started off more of like a thing to do. Gotcha. Um, than really necessarily about sharing our lives exactly. Um, you know, anybody who starts a blog, you know, your first few months are like, you know, what am I doing? What do I really want to share? You know, so how, how do I want to do this? Um, so it just, it just kind of became a hobby, I guess you could say. And then I started learning more and more about how to build a blog. And then that's when I realized, that, oh, I, we can actually, you know, this is a viable job source for us. You know, it's a, it's a viable way to earn money in an area where it's economically depressed and there really isn't any jobs available. Gotcha. And was it just you doing this blog? Was it you and your husband? Was it you and your family? Oh, it was just me. Gotcha. <laughs> it's still just me. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So you start what this. So it sounds like it's kind of an outlet. You are you're, you're in this new area. You start this blog. You could share stuff about what you're doing. Um, and it kind of took off. But let's talk about the early days. And and this wasn't too long ago. You said this is two two thousand fifteen. Yeah, that, that I have not had this business for very long. Okay, so in 2015, you start this blog. Um, what kind of content were you creating on this blog? So at first, it was just sort of what we were doing and about farming in general. And the problem with that is nobody really wants to really read about what we're doing at this point. Like at that, <laughs> it, you're first starting a blog, and nobody really cares. Um so it became necessary to sort of refine what the topic was, decide, you know, make these decisions. How are we going to, what are we going to show and how is it going to help people? Um, and, you know, these days I get people saying, well, I want to start a blog. What's the first thing I should do? And I tell them exactly that you need to really define what problems you're solving. So in order to really, you know, get there from when I first started the blog, in order to really figure out the, the problem I wanted to solve, I think I had to sort of look at what we were doing and look at what my area of expertise is. And my area of expertise is animals. Um, we'd had chickens for a long time and it just seemed like a good way to sort of encompass both farming and the pet aspect um, because, you know, chickens are the pets that produce breakfast for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so when you're farming, 
the pretty much you know, the first livestock animal you tend to get are chickens. So back in the day, um, the, the blog was mostly built to show people how to care for chickens as food producers. But as we got the chickens into our lives, as we became you know, more pets, um, the, at that point is when I realized, okay, well, I, wanna, I want this to be a, a blog about pet chickens, as opposed to just chickens as producing food, if that makes sense. Okay, so first about producing food, then you decided you wanted to do it about pet chickens. Was that just a, hey, I want to do this more, or was it from the, the feedback you're getting from your audience? What, what, what's driving that decision? Okay, so this sounds a little bit mercenary, um, but you know, given the topic of this of this podcast and given the topic of, of your of your podcast, I think it's an okay you know confession to make. All yeah, right, let's point. hear it. Um, people who keep chickens for eggs and for food typically are not people who want to buy things. Ah. So the purpose of a blog and the purpose of building a business online is to make money, is to support your family. Um, so. I had to have this sort of moment where, okay, I ha I can't necessarily talk about keeping chickens as a food source. People who own dogs, people who own cats, people who own parrots, they are more willing to spend money on their pets because they're enhancement to their lives. So it, I, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I have to figure out how I'm going to structure this blog in a way that people are gonna actually wanna buy things from me. Gotcha. And that makes person. It doesn't sound mercenary to me at all. It sounds like you were trying to build a business. All right. And if you're trying to build a business, you got to do it in a way that you could make some money. People got to have people got to be willing to spend money in order for you to make money. So it makes perfect sense. I'm curious about the 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 pre make money time. All right. When I say that, before you even started thinking about the business aspect, you, you were growing this blog. What were you doing in this, those early days to grow it, to get an audience? Okay. So a lot of what I did actually was networking with other bloggers and really learning social media okay. um, and specifically Pinterest. So, um, that's really where I started reaching a lot of people and, and for growth. So if somebody comes to me today and they say, well, how should I build an audience? I tell them, you know, look at the social media site that is driving the most traffic to your website and just do more of that. Um, and then from there, branch out to other social media, you know, yeah. site. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you were you were networking with other bloggers. You were learning about social media, learning about Pinterest um, in the network. Let's start with the networking with other bloggers. How were you actually doing that? Were you going to other blogs, reaching out to them individually? Was it a commenting thing? Was it guest posting? What what did that look like? Um, actually, it was in Facebook groups. Okay. Um, there are Facebook groups specifically for different blogging niches. Mine happened to be um homestead niche um, Facebook group. And so I was in there quite a bit at that time, just interacting with other bloggers. Um, I, I did a little bit of guest posting. A lot of the guest posting I did that actually contributed to sort of reaching a lot of people was um, like for Huffington Post and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, the guest posting I did for other bloggers honestly had sort of minimal impact on me building an audience. Got um, it. So that's kind of how I started networking. And from there, you know, you end up with a support group of people who are actually, you know, also making money blogging. And that sort of gave me the, you know, support I needed to realize that, okay, this is actually a thing that can make money. 
Got it. So you're you're going out there, you're joining joining these Facebook groups, you're networking with other bloggers, uh, you're starting to do some guest posting. It's not uh, you know it's not g- driving you a ton of traffic or anything, but it's kind of giving you that support group and that that recognition that hey, this is possible. I can make this happen. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did is I learned about um, SEO, which has you know led to a lot of long term traffic. It's actually really interesting because um, one thing I didn't mention, which I probably should have mentioned, is I worked for a blog that was specifically about celebrities. Okay. So from that, I learned a lot about building an audience, about social um, SEO, um, and what it kind of you know takes to build a large audience. Um, and I learned that mostly just by absorbing their um, SOPs, um, standard operating procedures. Okay. And just by learning how they did it and then applying that to my own blog, if that makes sense. Oh, that, that makes perfect sense. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of dig into some of the things that you learned from that, that experience. What, what was your role with that, uh, blog? I actually was a writer. So okay. let's say for the sake of argument, like Beyonce was always a big one. So let's say for the sake <laughs> of argument, Beyonce posted a picture on Instagram. I would write an article about whatever she did Um, and then I would try to rank it for the word for the keyword Beyonce Um, so that's obviously a very difficult thing to do because Uh there's so many articles about Beyonce but but because of their standard operating procedure because I actually applied with what they had taught me I was able to consistently rank for very difficult celebrity names to rank for gotcha Got it. Okay, so you you you're you're working for this blog as a writer. Um, you're learning a lot about ranking for really very competitive terms because obviously Beyonce is gonna be somewhat competitive. <laughs> and just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and based on your experience there, you decide, hey, I am gonna turn this backyard chicken blog into a massive blog. You apply the strategies that you learned, and it sounds like it worked for you. It did work to a certain extent. Okay, tell us um, more this about is that. Where the, this, is, this is where the next layer comes in. Um, it's one thing to know SEO and to understand Pinterest. Okay. It's one thing to understand Facebook and that kind of thing. It's a different thing. If you're trying to build a blog that's going to reach a lot of people, you at some point have to understand that these people are going to want to know who you are. Um, and they're going to want to know and be involved with you. And if you think about people like Joanna Gaines, for example, um, on that TV show, Fixer Upper, uh-huh. or like the Pioneer Woman, um, people are very interested in their lives and who they are and what they're doing, but they started out sort of not necessarily talking about themselves. So the layer, you know, once you learn about SEO and all that stuff, once you kind of get that down, the, the next layer to really sort of reach sort of a, a, another level is to start sharing about yourself. Um, because what people are looking for also is sort of a role model. So if that makes any sense. Oh, no, it makes perfect sense. So it sounds like you're getting the technical know-how of how to use these social platforms, how to optimize for the search engines, and how to drive traffic. But it also needs that second layer of how to get people to connect with you and engage with you by sharing more about yourself. So it sounds like you're, you're coming at it from these two approaches, the technical approach but also the connecting approach. Is that fair to say? Yeah, because it's, it's one thing to have people come to your website to get information. It's another thing, and that, that's that's not necessarily growing an audience, that's getting traffic. 
to grow an audience, you need to relate to them in some way. They need to see you as a human being. So they're, they're, they're two different sides of the same coin, so to speak. Okay, I love that. So what I would love for us to do then is to unpack those two sides of the corn. The corn, wow. Uh, <laughs> two sides of the coin. First, starting with the, hey, we have to understand this SEO, Pinterest, um, the technical stuff of driving traffic. Let's dig into that a little bit in terms of what you learned and applied to your blog that actually worked. And then in the second part, we can then unpack the, well, how do you grow the audience? How do you share about yourself in a way that gets people to connect with you, engage with you, and all that good stuff? That sounds great. All right. So let's let's start with the the the, the technical stuff of how to how to you know create the content that ranks and get shares and those kinds of things. Where do we start if we wanna if we wanna grow this uh, twenty million <laughs> uh, readers for our audience? Where do we start? Um, so let's talk about SEO first. Um, where I would start with that is understanding keyword research, but understanding um, how, do I, how do I put it? Understanding where the competition is. Let's put, let's put it that way. Um, what I would I would actually say, and this is a little bit of a of a sharing one of my secrets here. Ooh, um, we like secrets. Let it, let us yes, know. Yes, um, there are websites out there that spend a lot of money on SEO research. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so I, what I did is I looked at kind of what these websites were doing and kind of figured out how, what keywords to rank for, try to rank for based on that, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, so when it comes to keyword research, you got you to be able to do your keyword research. You got to know what keywords you want to write for. Let's put it that way. But once you know that... Okay, well, before you even move on from there, how do you know what keywords you want to rank for? Um, so like I said, what I did is I looked a lot about at what sort of the, the larger websites in my niche were doing. Okay. What keywords they were ranking for. Um, you can also use the Google Keywords keyword tool. I don't use that that much anymore. Um when I start, well, so when I start, let me go back to when I started, because now what I do is I automatically know what keywords I want to record just based on what people ask me. Gotcha. Um, um, but when I first started looking for keywords, I would think about the major problems backyard chicken owners had and try to rank for those keywords. The keyword, the Google Keyword Planner helped a little bit. Um, and SEM Rush also helps a little bit. But it was kind of just knowing what the issues were that people were going to be dealing with and what questions they would ask. That's sort of where I started with my keyword research. Okay. So it's it, you, you, you're, you understand your audience, you know what they're struggling with, you know what they're searching for. You use some of these tools like the Google keyword planner, SEM rush to find out, to, to figure out more of those details. And you relied more on that in the beginning than you do now because you have an even better understanding of who your audience is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got it. So you're thinking about the major problems your audience has and you use those keywords. So let's say now we've thought that through. We've used the Google Keyword Planner to get some data. We looked at SEM Rush. And well, actually before we move on from there, how do you use those how did you use those tools differently? Like what was the benefit of one versus the other? So the Google Keyword Planner is good in terms of seeing overall search volume. Um, 
the problem with it is that it's mostly built for Google AdWords. So for example, you know, you might want to try to rank for the word backyard chickens, but you're going to have a really difficult time doing that. You wouldn't necessarily know that from looking at the Google keyword planner. Something like SEMrush tells you where, what, what keywords your competitors are ranking for and maybe where you're a little bit weaker. And then from there, you can make decisions about, okay, so we want to try to rank for this keyword because it's a lower search volume, but it's easier to rank for. Gotcha. Um, so starting also with easy to rank for keywords was one, was one way that I started to sort of go up the search engines, um, go up ranking in the search engines for bigger keywords. Got it. Okay, so not not trying to get the very competitive things right at the beginning, but focusing on the things that, like the easier wins. The easier wins and ones where you know people are going to be searching for it, but there's maybe only 400,000 articles about it on the internet. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So we've now done our keyword research. We know what we want to rank for. Where, where do we go from there? So what I did after that was I actually lo looked at sort of what's sending the most traffic to my website. And after Google, it was actually Pinterest. So what I did from there is I just started messing around on Pinterest and figuring out what it, how the algorithm worked, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and figuring out what, what did I need to do in order to actually start getting more and more traffic from Pinterest. And I would say over the past three years, Pinterest has actually changed a little bit. So these strategies still work, but you have to work a little bit harder now because there's more people on it. Um, and the Pinterest algorithm is constantly changing because they're, they're pushing ideas at this point more than they are actually information articles. So basically what I did for the first couple of years is figure out, okay, well, how do I promote these pin? How do I manually and pin? How do I organically promote them? in order to actually get traffic, which, which boards are going to actually be sending me traffic, mm -hmm. which ones are not sending me traffic, which articles are getting more traffic, which ones aren't. And from there, I was able to develop a sort of editorial calendar or an, or an idea of what to write about that would produce more and more traffic on Pinterest. Gotcha. So, so you're looking, you're basically pinning on Pinterest, you're pinning to your boards, but you're not just pinning and moving on. You're pinning and then you're analyzing what is working, what is not working. The more you figure out what's working, you do more of those things and less of the things that were not working. Exactly, yeah. I think a big thing that, you know, for people listening to this interview should take away is the 80-20 rule, which is that 80% of your results are gonna come from 20% of what you do. Um, and that's that 20% that's really critical to sort of hone in on and figure out, okay, well, this is what's working for me, so I'm just gonna do more of that. Gotcha. Now, now, are you the person that says, okay, this 20% is what's working. I'm only going to do that. Or, you know, I still kind of want to do some of the other stuff. Are you looking at it from purely a, what makes the most sense? What gives you the, the biggest bang for your buck? So back then, so I have a team now. Um, so to answer your question, I have a couple different answers, but back then I basically only had time to do what would actually propel my business forward. Gotcha. Um, the things that would have sort of like an immediate impact for the long term. Now, because I've been able to hire people, I'm able to invest in things that maybe don't have an immediate payoff today, but that will help my business grow over the next 10 years. Got it. 
Got it. So so initially you spent more time on, hey, I know this is going to work. I'm going to do this right now. Exactly. Yeah, because the, the thing about it was when I started the blog, it was really a situation where we were like, okay, we don't have any money. We have no jobs. How are we going to support our family? So I almost tell people like it was a point of desperation. Yeah. So I had to get, you know, people ask me, they say, well, how did you know this stuff? How did you figure this stuff out? And my answer is I had to, if I wanted to eat. Oh man. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's sort of where a lot of it came through was, okay, well, this is what's working. This is what's going to actually bring page views, which is going to actually make us money. So we're just going to keep doing more of that. Got it. I, you know, it's interesting how, when you're in those desperate times, you figure things out, right? I mean, when I left my job and it was, you know, I have to, I have to feed my family. My wife is a stay-at-home mom. Well, I had no other choice, right, but to make this thing work. And, and you, you get so much more productive in those times, don't you find? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had days when we had $5 and we had to buy diapers and milk and figure out how we we're going to buy diapers and milk with yeah. $5. Right? Um, and so you get really crystal clear on what you got to do to make sure that your business exists and it grows and it builds and it actually supports you. And now we have two special needs kids. Both my kids have autism. So now it's even more important because I want to build a business that can sustain them if they are not able to actually like hold jobs like typical people. Gotcha. All right. So I want to, I'm, I'm, uh, it, how much more do we need to dig into when it comes to the technical stuff? Because I, you know, w one of the, one of the things that I still kind of want to pull from this is mm -hmm. you said you learned a lot from the standard operating procedures of uh, the the blog that you were working with. And when I think about s standard operating procedures, I generally think about step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And you just kind of like follow these steps. Were there specific steps you followed in specific ways when it comes to the SEO and the, you know, what you did on Pinterest and so on? Or was it a, um, you had the experience from before, so you were just kind of figuring it out based on the results you were getting? No, it's very much step one, step two, step three. So what I had to do for that, for Beyonce, for example, is we had to make sure that there were keywords in the title of the article. Okay. That it was in the URL of the article. So the article might be like da-da-da.com slash Beyonce's cute Instagram photo slash, you know? Uh -huh. um, just make sure that the keyword is in in the, the, the slug for the URL. Um, you also have to make sure that the, that the keyword is in the name of the photo that you're putting up, the and you mean the the file the file name? Yep, the file name. Okay, and and that goes across all social media channels. I think because now, like Facebook, for example, Pinterest, Instagram, I believe that now they are using the file name as a way to decide what the photo is about. So they're they sort of adopted that from from Google. So you want the you want the keyword in a file name, mm -hmm. upload it to your WordPress with that keyword file name. Mm -hmm. In the alt title, you want to put the keyword in the alt title. Yep. And I hear I hear various people say various things like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Da, 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 da. You know, that's fine. It's worked for me. It's worked for a lot of big celebrity blogs out there. Yep. Put that keyword in that alt title. Gotcha. Um, and then you also want it in the description. 
So the description of the photo might be something like Beyonce with a puppy dog Instagram. You know, um, you just want the keyword in there, but you also want to describe what that description, what that photo is about. Gotcha. So you want to, um, so this is the technical, oh, were you continuing more with, were there more with that? Yeah. And then you want to make sure you mention your keyword three or four, five or six times in the actual article. Okay. And what about each tags, the header tags? Yeah. So, um, you want your keyword in at least one H2 tag. If your theme is set up by default, if your theme is set up so that the header, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the title of the article is in H1, it's going to automatically be in H1. Mm -hmm. If it's not set that way up by default, you want your keyword in the H1, in a H1 title and then an H2 header, um, probably at the beginning of the article, I would, I would say. Gotcha. So, so we're, we're talking about some of the technical SEO things, making sure, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, if your blog post is about a specific topic, and in this case, we're talking about a specific keyword, it's going to be natural for those that keyword to be in multiple places. And these are some of the important places when it comes to search engine optimization. 100%. I mean, through those keywords, through the various steps I just outlined, that's how Google knows what your article is about. Um, and if you don't have that set up that way, you're kind of, taking shots in the dark as to whether or not Google is going to actually understand that your article is about whatever it's supposed to be about. Gotcha. Now, when I think about celebrity blogs um, and I think about big traffic blogs, I, I often think about the fact that they are looking for breaking news. You know, Beyonce just did X, Y, Z, and the world has to know about it for some, some reason. This is hot right now. What, was there any of that in the growing of your backyard chicken blogs? Not really, actually. Okay. Um, my, my biggest articles um, that send me the most traffic are actually ones that are more informative. So I think that that has to be like a nice balance. Okay. So because articles like that are like breaking news, those are going to have a short shelf life. Um, you want something that's going to, you want like your pillar content that you want to be known for. You want that to be evergreen, informational, Unless you are actually writing a celebrity blog, in which case it makes sense to talk yeah. about what Beyonce is doing that day. Well, well, that's good to hear because I, I, you know, when you told, when you said that you did a celebrity blog and you learned a lot from it, I, I thought to myself, okay, so is she going to be one of the people that say, hey, you have to focus on breaking news items and so on? And there's nothing wrong with that, but. Personally, that's not something that excites me as much. What excites me more is kind of like what you're doing, right? The educational uh, stuff where you're teaching people about how to do something, how to care for your pet chickens or whatever that might be. So that, that I find that to be kind of encouraging for people like me that just want to build blogs where they are educating and helping people through the education that they're providing. Yeah, I mean, you can have a nice balance. So an example of this is, like Joanna Gaines and that farmhouse style is really big right now. So we are writing articles about, you know, how to yeah. sort of emulate that style for your chicken coop. Um, but they're also informational in nature. Gotcha. But at the same time, they do have a certain shelf life because who knows, farmhouse style might go out of fashion yeah. in the next year. So you have, but it, so you have to have a nice balance. And then we have articles that are also about, you know, how to, you know, your chicken's laying a weird looking egg, what's going on, you know? <laughs> 
um, stuff that's more evergreen and long lasting. You got me now curious about what happens when your chicken is laying a, a weird looking egg. <laughs> oh, it could be all sorts of issues. And, and every single day, I kid you not, I get some email from somebody who said, my chicken laid this egg, why has it done this? Um, <laughs> and that's something you can use to formulate content. You know, if you're, if you're consistently seeing the same questions in Facebook groups, consistently seeing the same questions that are getting emailed to you, that's a really pretty much a green light to start writing articles about that. All right. So we are dealing with the SEO. We are focusing on, in your case, you're focusing on Pinterest because you actually looked at the analytics and saw that it was working for you. And of course, 80-20 rule, you're going to spend your time on that 20% of things. And for you, that was Pinterest. Um, and for you that's listening right now, it may be Pinterest for you. It may be Facebook. It may be some other platform, but it all comes down to digging into your analytics and seeing what is actually working as opposed to making guesses now i'm i want to get into the second part okay because there was the technical stuff but then there's the 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 part about connecting with your audience and sharing about yourself how did that happen with you were you doing that from the beginning were there certain things that happened that made you feel like okay i need to be doing more content where my audience can connect with me it's really interesting um, because there was actually a moment. I can tell you what that moment is. Um, I was giving a talk about how to care for chickens at some really tiny homesteading summit in Tennessee. I was actually in Memphis. And I kept telling them, well, you, you know, they kept asking me questions. You know, how, how do you do this? Like, what do you do for that? And I would say, well, you can do this or this or this. And people kept saying, what do you specifically do? Like, what do you do? How do you, you know, handle this? How do you care for your chickens? And, I, and it was this moment where I was like, oh, these people really do want to hear how I do things. So it's not just like, these are your choices. They wanted to know specifically what I did. And it took a while for me to really sort of internalize that and say, okay, well, now I need to start sharing more about my life with people. Um, and in the second half, of sort of my realization with that is, I wanna say like a year ago, I started telling people about my children having special needs. And I would get messages from people, probably on a daily basis, and I still do, telling me that they also keep chickens because they also have special needs family members. And the chickens are either a way to connect with these family members or an outlet for their own frustrations because having a special needs family member can be a very frustrating experience, mm -hmm. especially if they're not communicative. So that's the, that was sort of like the second point where I said, oh, wow, I really need to start sharing about my life with people because it's not just about building an audience. It's also about creating a community, offering support um, because they can support you as much as you support them. Um, there's been multiple emails I've sent out to my email. I email my list every day. Okay. And there's been emails I've sent them where I've told them about this or that thing going on. And I've had people email me back and say, have you tried this? This was our experience. Um, so those are sort of like my two points where I realized that if I actually start sharing my life with people, it is a, another vehicle for growth that's, I think, almost as important or perhaps more important than the technical aspect of it. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious about the second point, the, you know, sharing about your children that have special needs. Um, I, I definitely see the value in it. But what made you decide 
I'm going to do this. Because you're sharing about chickens and then you're maybe sharing about how you do things. But then when I think about children and children with special needs or whether they have special needs or not, they're not related directly to the content that you were or at least they didn't seem to be related to the content that you were creating before. What made you what made you decide to take that bold leap of sharing stuff like that? The people who emailed me mm. and said that they also keep chickens because they have autistic children or children with cystic fibrosis or you know whatever sort of their personal situation was. That's the point where I said, okay, well, you know, now let me start sharing this because this isn't just about pets anymore. It's about pets being part of our lives. Mm. Got it. I love it. So you, you decided to start doing this. Was there a specific process you went through in doing this? Was there a specific ratio of personal to non-personal? How did, how did you tackle that transition? Um, and I would, I would say, actually, I'm still kind of transitioning. I still have to kind of like push myself to share because it's not really in my nature to share that kind of stuff. Um, what I did is I, you know, on Facebook lives, I would say, you know, this is what we're doing with the kids today or in emails. I said, like I said, I send my list emails every day. I have a section at the top where I just kind of guilt, tell them what the family's up to. Got it. Um, now that it's become sort of like more of a pillar of my brand and we're trying to grow that aspect of it. I actually, um, we have it on the editorial. Where, um, I say on Wednesdays, this is what I'm going to write. And on Thursdays, this is what I'm going to write. And we recently had to buy a tiny home for reasons with my son's school district. And we've now put that on the calendar where that's going to be a part of my brand. And we're going to talk about rebuilding this tiny home and building it as a home for my children. Um, and that's, you know, something else we're going to start sharing is stuff like that. So to answer your question, it, it was just sort of, it creeped in as something that I did. And then I sort of realized, oh, well, let's start making this like an actual thing where we're scheduling it so people know what days they can come to the blog and read about this part of our lives. Got it. Got it. I, I love that. Now, how do you balance the, you know, sharing with sharing about your life, sharing about your family without oversharing? Or is that even a concern? Or, you know, when you're dealing with little kids, uh, sometimes there are privacy concerns. So how do you deal with those kinds of uh, issues and thoughts? Yeah, and that was a very big thing in the beginning. We didn't want to share too much about our children because we were not comfortable with, you know, the people who put like the shaming pictures on Facebook. Yeah. We weren't comfortable with that. And we wanted to make sure that their dignity was respected so that let's say 20 years from now, they go to apply for a job. They're not the kid that's a meme with a shaming picture, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so th what I decided to do with that is keep it positive keep it inspirational and keep it um, informational in the sense of this is our story. This is how we're you know, handling sort of these situations and not make it negative or spiteful. Cause a lot of, when you have special needs kids, yeah. a lot of very difficult situations come up mm -hmm. and it was a real sort of conscious decision to not go that direction in order to stay inspirational, but also give information to people. Got it. Got it. Now, now I'm I'm imagining somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they say, Okay, yeah, she spoke about SEO. I get that. I've been I've been doing that kind of stuff. I've been, you know, paying attention to my keywords and the titles and then the slugs and yada yada yada. Um uh, maybe maybe Pinterest is also my net my social network and I've been looking at the data and trying to refine. But 
that that in no way brings me anywhere close to the the 20 million <laughs> readers a month how do you I, I don't know if the question is how do you account for that but or more so how do you break that barrier to go beyond the you know the 10,000 or the tens of thousands or the hundreds of thousands to the millions is it just a matter of you know pushing ahead with the things that we know always worked, or is there something special? Or is there something special about backyard chickens that all I got to do is talk about chickens in my blog, and then I'm set for life? How how do you how do you break through those for you really big barriers when it comes to traffic numbers? It it's that's sort of a very difficult question for me to answer. I hate to say it. Um, as it's hard to really say like, what is that magic wand that's gonna suddenly do it? Um, I will say that I listen to people who are way smarter than me. Mm. And I, I took all their information. Like I, I probably have spent, honestly, close to $50,000 over the past few years, just learning what people who are more experienced and smarter than me know. Mm. Um, and then just taking that and applying it. So that, you know, I don't think that there's any one thing that you can do. I think it's a culmination of all these little things that you do that help build the, that following and build that sort of you know, audience for you and to, and to build that reach. Cause a lot of it's also just about reach. Like how many people do you reach? How, you know, um, and that shareability of it, if that makes any sense. No, that may, you know, you you started off by saying, you know, you don't know that you have a good answer for this, but I think you have a perfect answer. For, I mean, you gave some. I, I I think there's a lot of encouragement in what you just said because what I got from there is number one, well, first of all, you got to work at it. Uh, number two. You have to invest in yourself and you got to invest in your learning. I think a lot of us kind of just want it to happen and we're afraid to kind of just go all in and invest in ourselves because we feel like we're spending money. But I think what your example shows us is that it's not about spending money. It's about investing in what's going to help you to accomplish your goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, and really going to people who have been there, done that, and just looking and listening to what they have to say. And, I, and I'm doing it right now. We opened up an e-com store back in February, mm -hmm. and I'm going to people who are way smarter than me when it comes to e-com and looking at what are they doing, what are they saying, you know. And also just applying the, the lessons that I, you know, I built up over the past few years, but looking at them and saying, okay, so this is what they're doing, and you know, let me try this. A lot of it's just experimentation. Like when I started with Pinterest, I had no idea that if I just did this, this, and this, that it would bring more traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it's also just experimenting and seeing you know, what what is working. Got it. Love it. Now, um, th there's. It seems like there's also a special way that you are using your blogging and your business when it comes to being a parent of uh, special needs or disabled children or anything of that sort uh, in terms of the way you are able to support your family or provide supplemental income. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, like I said, the, the blog itself supports, uh, and the business I've built, it supports our family. Um, and one of my sort of key things that is starting to become more a piece of my heart is 
letting parents of special needs kids know that this is a viable way to build a business that will support your children. Um, you know, I know a lot of parents who have um, physically disabled children, um, they have to take time away from work, or maybe they can't spend as much time with their children as they want to. But when you build a business like this, you're able to do that. Um, and the other thing about a business like this is specifically with my business, what we're doing is we're trying to build it in a way so that we can actually remove ourselves from the business mm -hmm. so that should, you know, God forbid I die. Yeah. <laughs> my children still have a way to support themselves should they not be able to work um, or should they not be able to you know, work a job that's, that's going to support them. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is it, so I, um, advocacy and, and showing families of special needs children how they can build a business like this so that they can spend more time and support their own families. I, I absolutely love that. And I'm, I'm curious about maybe one aspect of that, because I know we can't dig too deep into it and we'll direct people to your Facebook page as well so that they can um, check out more about what you're doing there. But one of the things that you just said is you're trying to build your business in a way where, you know, God forbid you were to die. Um, the business can the, this online blogging business you've built can continue to provide for your family. What are what are maybe one or two things that, that you're doing in the way you structure your business to make that specific aspect a reality? Because that's something that I'm also very curious about. I don't have children with special needs, but I have children and well, they all have needs. <laughs> so what are, what are one or two things that you're doing in your business to make that a reality? Um, one thing we're doing is we're, is we're developing standard operating procedures for how we handle certain things like the editorial calendar. Um, you know, who does the Pinterest? Who does the Instagram? Who are, you know, how are they doing this? So we're writing all that down. Um, the other thing that, that I'm doing is I'm hiring very smart people mm. and very smart project managers so that let's say I am hit by a truck tomorrow and I'm in the hospital for the next three months. Those people already know how to do their jobs and they're invested in me. They're invested in the business. Um, I, I treat the people who work for me, my freelancers, I treat them very well. Um, if I'm able to, I like to pay them very well. Um, in some cases, because we go through agencies, we have to deal with the agency says, but I try to make sure that people are respected and that they feel part of a team so that we build a, a team, we build an infrastructure where people are invested in the outcome of it so that I don't have to necessarily do everything should I get hit by that bus. I, I absolutely, I feel like that could be like the topic for a, a completely separate <laughs> interview, but I want to thank you so much um, for being on here and sharing so much value. I know you have a Facebook page. Um, tell us a little bit about that uh, so that people can go and check that out. Um, hang out with me on my Facebook page, which is Blogging to Reach Millions with Mayotte Van Eidert. Um, if you go to Team Mayotte, T-E-A-M-M-A-A-T.com, that will actually take you to that Facebook page. And there I you know, have videos you can look at. Uh, we're going to start doing more um, Facebook Lives there with all the kind of information like we talked about in this podcast. I absolutely love that. <laughs> you heard it here first. You can go to teammayat.com. That's T-E-A-M-M-A-A-T. If you're interested in learning more and getting much more value. This was episode number 342. And if you, for some reason, didn't take notes, no problem. You're driving your car. You don't want to take notes. Go to becomeablogger.com slash 342. Everything we spoke about today, everything Matt mentioned, 
we will cover in those show notes. So head on over there, check it out, and let us know what you think. I want to also remind you this today as I'm launching this episode is October 31st. That means tomorrow is November 1st, which means that that is the beginning of the 30-day challenge. If you want to make your first dollar with your blog or your first $50 or your first $100 with your blog this month, I want to invite you to join the coaching club. Go to bloggercoaching.com. That is bloggercoaching.com. And over the next 30 days, oh man, I'm going to be dripping out content with a lesson and an assignment for you to do. So if you have not reached that point where you have made any money or you've made some money, but you want to challenge yourself to make a little more, head on over to bloggercoaching.com. This is Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com. We're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care. And God bless.